It's Thursday, July 28th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Lindsay, the Guardians get it done uh, once again with a late-inning heroics from Josh Naylor. Uh, they defeat the Boston Red Sox in comeback fashion after giving up an early lead uh, and then falling behind a mile straw with an RBI double to tie the game in the eighth inning. And then Josh Naylor going over the green monster for the go-ahead home run in the ninth off of uh, Tanner Houck. It's, uh, it, it, it's, you've seen it multiple times this year. Does it get, uh, any any less exciting uh, as as we've seen it more more and more times. Josh Naylor uh, is is the heart and soul of this team right now. Yeah, he's really uh, he's come up big time after time. What what was that? That Joe that was his 14th home run, and uh, four of those home runs have been hit in the ninth inning or later, and uh, and three of them have been go ahead have given the, the the Guardians the lead when in in the ninth inning or later. Yeah, so, uh, you know, he is a dangerous man. And the most impressive thing is he went the other way with that pitch, you know, because he's usually pretty much a dead pull hitter. Uh, but, uh, you know, he cleared the monster, uh, got like a slider out, out, on the outside part of the plate and and uh, just went with it. Yeah, the hitting coaches, Valeka has talked about uh, Naylor's ability right now to, when he falls behind in the count, in those at-bats, in those situations, he changes his approach and he he looks for those pitches away. He he was looking for that breaking ball away and and he just pounded it. He, he did damage with it. Uh, after the game, I thought it was interesting. He told Andre Knott on the uh, the TV broadcast that he he the injury to his uh, ankle last year sort of made him change his approach at the plate a little bit. You know, not being able to use uh, that that sturdy base as as much as possible. Uh, and and he does look to to hit the ball the other way a little more. Uh, I thought it was interesting that the injury sort of led to his change in approach. Yeah, definitely. And I think he's had to change a lot of things because of that injury. And uh, you know, this is this has benefited him and the team. It's it's the same kind of he went the same way against uh, the Twins to beat the Twins. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, with the walk off at, at Progressive Field. So you know, he's got that swing. He's he's been working on that swing. It's working for him. Well, and and I tweeted immediately after he hit the home run that somebody should run and get Tito a helmet because who knows what was going to happen. <laughs> uh, his his celebration was a little bit more subdued this time. Uh, we're used to seeing the Tasmanian Devil come out. Uh, as he gets back to the uh, to the dugout, but uh, I think maybe he's he's sort of uh, learned his lesson a couple of times and uh, doesn't want to injure anybody or himself. Uh, <laughs> it's still no less exciting, uh, you know. You sort of look for it. He did have a a nice little bat flip there uh, after he hit it after he knew. Uh, but all of this leads to the question: Is is Josh Naylor the the most clutch hitter we've seen in Cleveland late innings at least? Uh, most clutch power in the late innings uh, since maybe Jim Tomey. Yeah. I mean, uh, we were talking about it before the podcast, uh, you know, what uh, Tomey had 13 walk-off career, career uh, home runs, uh, the most in, in major league history uh, in, in baseball history. And uh, you know, Josh is, is kind of, he's off to a good start, you know, uh, maybe, yeah. maybe he'll catch the Tominator. Who knows? I mean, he's going to get opportunities. He's he's sort of entrenched in that uh, cleanup spot right now, I think, uh, and and just his ability 
to to make those adjustments late in games and and still drive the ball is is really important uh yeah i i, I love the the emotion and the fire that he plays with and and we've talked about that uh, a lot before uh but does from what you've seen does anybody hate those post game interviews more than Josh Naylor after he's done something epic like that you know he looks so uncomfortable talking about himself he always wants to talk about his teammates and I I get that but you know you're trying to to say uh you know attaboy you know good job you you've you've won three to four games with late inning home runs uh and and he just looks like he does not want the the the, the spotlight or the focus on himself yeah, definitely. He, it's like he changes personality. You see a you see a guy celebrating, going around the bases, pounding his chest and shouting into the night, and then and on the post game interviews, he's just kind of you know just a quiet, soft spoken guy, and uh, <laughs> looks like he'd rather be anywhere else but but to answering your questions. Yeah, I remember back the night he uh, he walked off against Minnesota, and. You know he's standing there, his hair's dripping because he got showered in the in the post game celebration and all that, and he's he's sitting on the podium, and he he almost looked upset that he had to answer questions like he he didn't want to be there and it was like not that he was taking it personally or anything like that, but angry that that you know we would we would be trying to focus any attention on him, you know and it's like hey you just you just won a ball game with one swing of the bat. Uh, of course, you're going to get some attention, and he, he doesn't like that. Uh, it's a, you know, it's a real window into sort of his personality and uh, and and just what makes him go. Uh, he talks about loving his teammates as much as he does, and he do, does it constantly. So, uh, yeah, just a a great uh, you know result for Josh Naylor. And I thought one of the things that that was really interesting uh, after Naylor. Uh, hit the home run in the ninth inning last night. Uh, two real quick at bats, two like first or second pitch ground balls. And it was it was the the shock of you know Boston just gave up the home run, and then two to three pitches later, you're heading into the dugout and you know that Emmanuel Classe is coming out to to close it out in the ninth. Uh, it it you know not prolonging that inning after taking a, a one run lead you know, sort of, uh, you know, maybe a, a little bit of an advantage for Cleveland. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I guess they want to get class A on the mound as, as quickly as possible. That's like t- having back-to-back closers. You've got Naylor hitting it out and, and uh, class A slamming the door and he did it one, two, three again. Yeah. It's, it's as close to a walk-off as you're going to get on the road when he hits the home run two pitches later, your closer is out there and he only needs a dozen pitches to uh to to get through uh three guys in the ninth again Emmanuel Classe what's that 21 22 I believe 21 saves out of 23 chances and he got a great he got an assist from Miles Straw with a great catch to end it yeah almost uh, get, almost losing it uh they got got it in the snow cone there uh at the end but uh Miles Straw had a hell of a game that was not the the only play or the first play that he made in the outfield in that game uh and then he had two RBI doubles uh, Miles Straw starting to heat up. I think he's he's finding a comfort level down in that number nine spot. Yeah, we're really seeing that him, uh, you know, come on last 15, 16, 18 games. Um, you know, he's driving the ball, you know. Uh, you know, we saw him drive the ball into the gap 
in the, in the uh, second inning. Then, you know, he drives it into the right center to tie it up in the eighth. And, uh, you know, he's, he's really kind of, you know, uh, Francona was saying after the game, you almost have two leadoff hitters with him. And then, you know, when you turn the lineup right over back over to Quan and then Rosario and then Ramirez and, uh, it's really, you know, that those those four guys are really kind of working hand in hand to, uh, you know, propel that lineup. Yeah, and and Quan's having a, a really good road trip. I think he's, you know, batting over 400 on the road trip, uh, just, uh, you know, having multiple hit games all over the place. But you really can't overlook the effort last night of Nolan Jones when uh, the, you know, through the first eight innings of the ball game, when Jose Ramirez and Josh Naylor were a combined what zero for uh, eight or zero for nine? Uh, Nolan Jones, the the rookie, is out there with three hits, uh, a couple of doubles, and you know just looking uh, again. Uh, I use the word, but looking very comfortable out there. Uh, Hoinsey, outfield productivity. Where what what's going on? There's productive outfield hitters for this Guardians team. Uh, we have not seen this in a long time. Yeah, that's it's exciting, uh, and you you know you've got. Uh... Oscar Gonzalez rehabbing at double A. He seems to be making some progress. Uh, and and uh, Jones reached base four straight times, like you were saying, Joe, that, you know, he really kind of ignited that three-run inning in the in the second when uh, Frenchie uh, Cordero, what a night he had. You yeah, know, I don't when, think when, we're going to – he going to play first base again for the, for the Red Sox? Yeah, I don't think we're going to see Frenchie there uh, anytime soon, but uh... – uh, again, that just shows you how valuable uh, the the Guardians' defense has been uh, lately. Just uh, playing really well, playing good, solid ball, and, and and like like Tito says, when they don't kick the ball around and when they get the the top of that order to string some hits together, uh, it's it, it that's their formula. That's how they win games. And you really forget how big Jones is. I mean, that that guy is huge. Yeah. I mean, what six five, and he can run a little bit, and he's. He seems to be adapting to right field. You know, I think there's still some, you know, obviously some work to do there, but he's an exciting player right now. He really, they brought him up hot, you know, from AAA and he stayed that way. Yeah. And he's playing right now in a, in in a park in Fenway that probably ate up a couple of uh, balls that would have been out of the park in, in Cleveland, you know, that, that deep right field, he's hit a couple of balls uh, out there that probably would have been home runs, but, you know, he's got he's got two in his major league career right now, and they're both three pointers. So uh, we'll we'll see if he can continue that trend. Uh, got to mention uh, we mentioned class A, but the, the rest of the bullpen as well. Uh, Angel De Los Santos was was uh, solid. Uh, they came in after Quantrill just Quantrill just seems to have uh, Cal Quantrill just always seems to have that one inning where he, he falls apart a little bit. Uh, I know his his big deal is trying to get as deep into ball games as possible, uh, but you know sometimes uh, maybe it's uh, uh, you know house guests and uh, and and fish uh, you know they, you don't want them to overstay their welcome. Same with the, a starting pitcher. Yeah, um, he came out in the sixth, and you know uh, what he gives up the the leadoff single. They get they you know they get an out on the bases, and then. Uh, he has to face Bobby Dalback again. And uh, this time Dalback burned him for a home run straight away center field. And Dalback in three at bats, what went hit two homers and a sacrifice fly 
against uh against Quantrill and uh he won the battle last night. But uh like you said, Joe, you know, then Henkes, uh Santos and uh, De Los Santos and Class A come in and and uh, you know really kind of shut shut uh, Boston down after that. Yeah, some some good work out of the bullpen there. Uh so uh the Guardians have a chance to take three out of four uh, in in Boston tonight. Uh, they have a chance to do what they couldn't do in uh, Chicago when when they had the opportunity to win that series uh, over the weekend. So uh, you know that they they've got Tristan McKenzie going. Uh, McKenzie's best pitch is his curveball, and the Boston Red Sox have a real tough time hitting curveballs. So, uh, you know, maybe there's a, a formula there, uh, you know, it's set up for some success for the Guardians tonight. Yeah, they're, they're in the same position they were with the White Sox. They've got a chance to, you know, take a four-game series here. Uh, and uh, hopefully uh, McKenzie, uh, you know, could get the job done. And uh, and But last night, Joe, that was a big win for them. Yeah, uh, The Twins lost, the, the White Sox lost. Right now they're at a game and a half out of first place. And uh, it's exciting, uh, you know. They they could they could really be you know help themselves with another win tonight. Well, another way they can help themselves is as the uh, the Major League Baseball trade deadline approaches. Uh, a lot of talk out there right now that they are looking to uh, maybe add, uh, maybe upgrade at the catching position. Don't know what that would cost them in terms of uh, prospect capital, but they certainly have plenty of it to burn. Uh, Wilson Contreras from the Cubs, uh, Sean Murphy from the um, uh, the Athletics, and I, I believe even Tucker Barnhart uh, is a guy who's available through uh, uh, through Detroit because the Tigers have have basically gone on and said, you know, everybody's uh, you know open for uh, for a trade there. Um, last night, following the game, it was announced that the Yankees had acquired Andrew Benintendi from the Royals. What do you think of that move and, and how that uh, impacts the, the American league East race, but also it takes a, you know, the, the best bat out of the hands of uh, the, the Royals who are going to finish the season with six straight against uh, the guardians that there's still a, a lot to be, you know, said by the Royals in terms of how the, the guardians finish out the season. Yeah, that's a great point, Joe. I didn't think about that. Uh, you know, helping helping the, the Guardians that way. Uh, you know, Ben Attendee's a good fit for uh, you know for the Yankees, a left-handed hitter at, at Yankee Stadium. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton's on the uh, is is on the injured list, um, and uh, so I think that's a good fit. He decided to uh, what get vaccinated, so if they go, <laughs> they're headed back to Toronto. He can go this time. Yeah, he he says he's going to take the <laughs> shot. He. He didn't get it. He didn't take the shot to to go for um, uh, when when Kansas City went to Toronto. But you know now that he's a Yankee, uh, he's he's pretty much getting the jab. And he's you know he's always hit well against uh, Cleveland. Uh, he's you know for the last couple of years he's really had some good numbers, not power numbers, but you know average. So uh, you know that takes a bat out of like you said takes a bat out of the Royals lineup and. Cleveland has a lot of games against them, so that that can only you know that can only benefit them. Yeah, one of the things that Ben Attendee did as he had this sort of resurgence and you know became an All Star, uh, you know, was uh, he he really did sacrifice the the power for 
you know, taking the ball the other way, like we've seen Josh Naylor do, you know, a left-handed bat and, and, and depositing line drives into, into left field. Uh, so, you know, the, the, the Yankees thought this time last year, they were getting a big home run guy in Joey Gallo. Joey Gallo has been a complete disappointment for them. Uh, Andrew Benintendi will probably take up all the at-bats that Joey, Joey Gallo was supposed to get. Uh, and, and, you know, we'll see if, uh, if that, improves their already you know ridiculous lineup anyhow uh but you know it, it it begs the question are the guardians now going to still look to deal guys on the major league roster or with this you know the development of you know getting within a game and a half of the twins here uh does that change the focus at all are are we expecting you know, an Ahmed Rosario trade? Are we expecting a Fran Mil Reyes trade? Or are those guys that, you know, they're, they're looking to keep now? Well, I think, uh, you know, like we talked about yesterday, Joe, I think, you know, they're they're basically kind of sticking with the plan they had at, at the start of the season. They're going to try to uh, create avenues for their young players, you know, opportunities for their young players. But if they can, you know, do this, do a little bit of both. I think that would benefit this team. That would help them if they could add to uh, to the to the big league roster. Maybe get a bring a catcher, one of those catchers you mentioned in, uh, while you know while still uh, you know making a move that would uh, you know that that could bring in some prospects or, or bring in some younger players. I think they'll do that. I mean they're they've they've always been aggressive when that when they're when they've you know when they're in contention you know we can go back to the last three four five years uh they haven't made huge moves but they've made moves that you know eventually have worked out so you know i would think uh, they're going to be active yeah murphy seems like the the move to me he fits uh fits the the needs right now and would give you the ability to bring a, a bow nailer along slowly uh, as a, as a backup and and give him opportunities uh, to learn at the major league level. Uh, if you had a guy who was consistently there and and hitting the ball, I guess, uh, as opposed to what you're getting from Austin Hedges and Luke Maley, uh right now, which is not a lot offensively. Uh, so yeah, I I think you start there. I think you start with the catcher. Um, not a lot of you know major league or major league ready guys uh, available out there in terms of trades. I, I sort of took a look at some of the, the, the potential suitors for uh, a tra frame Reyes and a, and a Ahmed Rosario and what they had in their, their minor league system in terms of catchers, because you, you sort of want to restock. If you promote a bone nailer, you, you want to restock that uh, uh, you know, the minor league levels with, with catching talent. Uh, not a lot out there available. So, you know, they probably have to get creative. Uh, you know, maybe Sean Murphy's the, the way to go. He certainly, uh, you know, killed the, the Guardians every time he, he, he faced them uh, this season uh, in the, the two series that they already played. And he's controllable, Joe. I don't think he's a free agent until maybe 2005. Right. So, you know, you, you get him for a couple of years. That's the kind of deal they like to do. Uh, I, think, I think it would cost them. You know, Oakland's not stupid. Billy Bean's not stupid. They would, they would, you know, demand a high price. But, you know, if you feel like uh, you've got a chance, you know, to uh, you know make a run in in October, I think this is what you do. I don't, I don't think they're not. I don't think they're fooling themselves, Joe. Though I don't think Chris Antonetti and 
Mike Chernoff think they're one player away right. you know, from. So I don't think we'll see them go heavy in the in the rental area of players, you know, for you know, a six a six week player. But I do think they, they would look down the road if they could find a guy that could help them now and, and in the next couple of years. Yeah, and that's that, that's why I think uh, you know, Murphy sort of fits that bill is because he, he does have the the controllability that they like. Uh you know, and, and you know, those are the those are the kinds of trades that they make at this point of the season. So uh, definitely we'll be keeping our eyes open for that. All right. That's going to wrap up today's edition of the Cleveland baseball talk podcast. Hoinsey, uh, one more show this week uh, tomorrow. And we wrap up the, um, the Boston series and, and head to Tampa Bay where our old friend Corey Kluber waiting for us at the, uh, the end of the week. So we'll, uh, we'll check back in with you again tomorrow. 